Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Grumpy Young Men on the Believe Network. I am Jason Waller here with my co-host, Alex Meschi. Join us as we take a real look at reality. Welcome back to another week of Grumpy Young Men on the Believe Network. Fact of the day. Uh, which one, man? There's a, a lot of shower thoughts. So guys, moving forward, we're actually going to have a shower fact of the day. I think with what's going on in the world right now and you know what happened over the last week, let's talk about karma. Yeah, dude, karma. Oh, man. Karma has no menu. You get served what you deserve. Yeah, so I think that's a very interesting topic and uh, or rather point on what's going on with the whole George Floyd uh, riots and protests going along in the country right now. And it's, you know, for the the country, country, sorry, a little (laughs) speaking issue. Um, in any case, it's, it's kind of, uh, an interesting year in the sense that we're now in, uh, June. Right. And, uh, well, it seems like every month things get crazier. I mean, I just saw a meme today. I said, Hey, you made it to June. Welcome to level six in Jumanji. And I'm like, all right, now what? We had Australian fires. We had COVID. We had murder hornets. We got protests. What's next? You know? and uh riots looting substance abuse mental health suicide you name it bro i mean they're all at the all-time highs we got four what 35 million people unemployed uh i mean there's pandemics within pandemics right it's just it seems like it's nothing but chaos right now and uh you know in in alignment with that chaos uh one thing i wanted to talk about today was protesting um since that's something that we've kind of seen a little bit in our time we were young when the last big one happened in 92 and that was the rodney king riots in la but uh i feel like even over our uh lifetime here you know about 32 33 years now we're even seeing a polar change in how protesting's even done well, so what do you think the biggest changes from the 92 riots to the riots to today well I, I think let's start with a little bit of backstory so in uh april 26 1992 there was a guy being arrested on the 210 freeway in la where a person on their balcony uh, videotaped the cops dragging a black man out of his vehicle and essentially beating him they clubbed him about i think 55 times or something with a baton when the guy was unarmed Ugh. and it was absolutely uh, grotesque right now what transpired after that is really where the news comes in obviously pl- uh, police brutality is still a problem today as we witnessed over the weekend uh, but the way that things kind of unfolded is very different um, main main thing being is that the the individual that recorded the Rodney King incident sent the tape to KTLA they showed it on the local news first and uh today you know things go viral it spreads fast over the internet streams this that youtube what have you and social media but back then your main source of information was simply the news right so ktla shows this people are getting outraged next thing you know it's spreading across the country and you know we have the la riots right uh so popular that even sublime has a song about it yeah and the crazy thing that a lot of people don't realize is that it was essentially um, a racial takeover of other communities. So, uh, one of the most famous pictures that came out of it, other than the ones of Rodney King, especially when he's in the wheelchair in front of the courthouse and stuff was the Korean community. 
So, you know, we talk about Black Lives Matter and, you know, the thin blue line and you, we see this kind of almost segregation of white and black cultures and you get a little bit of the Hispanic uh, um, injection sometimes depending on where you are in the country. Us being in Southern California, there's a lot of uh, Hispanic uh, members here in our community. But one demographic that people rarely talk about are the Asian communities. And I think some of that has to do with culturally, they're more reserved. They kind of keep to themselves. But during the 92 riots, one thing that really stood out in my eyes as I was kind of reading through the history and stuff is what the Korean community did. What'd they do? So after the Korean War, we had a pretty good relationship with South Korea to the extent where some of the people that uh, served alongside our military came back with our military and actually relocated here. Okay. And in doing so, obviously former military guys, they've got firearms, this, that, but they had the responsibility of locking them up almost in like an arms cache. Well, when the 92 riots were breaking out, you had, you know, mainly blacks and Hispanics going into other communities. Uh, the blacks and Hispanics already had, you know, uh, racial tensions in Los Angeles. So they were looking at what other areas could they go target for rioting and looting. Right. Well, the funny thing is they saw the Asian community as a weakness. The difference in today versus yesterday is that, you know, I would argue that more people were more conservative in regards to their property and the willingness to defend it. Whereas now it's like, I'm, it's not worth it. I don't want to get sued. I don't want the backlash. People on social media are going to say stuff. Back then it was straight up via Korean news. They were telling in Korean where thing like incidences were happening. And next thing you know, you'd see a pickup truck with like five or six Korean dudes just drive to like a liquor store or dry cleaners and defend the business. And there's a bunch of famous pictures of these Korean guys literally sitting on the roofs and they term the coin rooftop Koreans. Okay. Mm. Now these guys had such intimidating presence that even the LAPD pulled up to a disturbance in Koreatown and basically said, you guys have it under control. We're going back. Like we don't want to deal with this. So what are you saying in reference today? I mean, I, I understand, I, I get the point you're making and I can follow what you're saying, but uh, what would be your, with that being said, what are you saying should have been, could have or should have uh, happened with what's going on now? Well, I think now, you know, especially since 92, we've had some societal shifts, mainly political correctness. And, you know, everybody thinks that they are um, blamed for something at some point, whether or not they were even alive, right? And there's almost this like apologetic uh, attitude towards everything now. So the act of standing your ground and protecting your property is usually, you know, to some people it's at the forefront to most people, especially where we live, you know, the, the most important thing is human life and then your belongings. So they would just flee. Right. Right. And the other thing is that nowadays you have a lot of people that like to just get up on their soapbox and talk via social media, but never actually put action behind the words. So you'll see all these people supporting rioting and rioting and this and that and looting and, you know, target got theirs and the police station got burnt down and what have you until it ends up in their backyard or outside their gated community. Right. And there was actually a, a minor league basketball player, like a B league, uh, I think he was like a second stringer or third stringer or something. He was an actual basketball player though. At first commenting on Atlanta supporting the rioting and then his third follow-up tweet after two being, Hey, keep it going. Keep it going. Was there's crazy people outside my community. They're trying to break in, send help. And it's like, dude, you provoke that you supported it. Now you get to deal with it. So back to your shower thought on karma, 
there is no many you, you got what you supported right yeah so on that you know what's different from then to today a lot of it has to do with that bridge and that exchange of information I, uh, before you get into that though are you saying people are much more prone to, they're a lot like in essence weaker uh to defend their own property their rights uh just kind of there's judgment there's i mean what is your thought process around that i want to say that it's it's a weakness in a sense that it's groupthink, right and it's basically people are just going with the group consensus there's less uh individuality less people really thinking for themselves a lot of people just become regurgitative mouthpieces for what they hear from somebody else without doing their own research and their own due diligence yeah exactly so without looking into it themselves and coming up with their own conclusion or their own real opinion they're just taking what they heard from here read there and just kind of running with it um and you know back in 92 when the news was telling you something um whether there was wool pulled pulled over our eyes and we didn't know that the media was you know taking us for a car ride all along or actual investigative journalism was still alive back then either way what you took on the news is what you took you know and after 60 minutes well, did I, their I, whole th- thing I, on I, it. I think the media as a whole is always there's always been some form of agenda but at the end of the day i think at least the news that we got back in the 90s was a lot i mean there was i mean there was a lot more investigative research that had to go into to play i mean they were just going to start playing false false things because it was a lot easier to track what was going on right absolutely and i feel like today especially the way that journalism is i mean it's mostly virtual and digital right and on or he di- said she said well and i and getting to that i believe the reason for the he said she said is because similar to netflix with having this overflow of content because there is this undying need to constantly be consuming this stuff that's where clickbait articles and headlines come in because you're just trying to get the most polarizing split second uh impression on somebody so that they but isn't, isn't that fascinating though to look at the times that we live in today with how quick and 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 easy it is to get a response to something isn't it funny how everything is so misconstrued you know this day and age where it was for me personally and again it's it's going to your point of not doing i just from what i remember the news and everything that came out then was a lot more reliable than it is today yeah i mean every morning my dad would go grab the newspaper read it that was his news for the day you watch your afternoon, maybe your nightly news. That was your recap for the day. And you read it about again tomorrow in the newspaper, you know, and that was kind of like the normal news cycle. And then with Hollywood blowing up and, you know, Instagram influencers and this and that and whatever, it's like everybody just has to have some sort of lead into what's happening this instant. And then sometimes when those leads are potentially, I, I mean, I want to say compromised, because right. maybe they have an agenda or they're part of some greater scheme, right? Next thing you know, you have this army of people basically echoing the same stuff that's misinformation. People start to believe it because now you have a group of people that believe it. It's almost like a cult following. Right? Yeah. And then that cult following starts burning your city down and you have no idea what's going on, what's up or down. And yet all you know is that, well, hey, people are rioting. This is what happened. It's got to be because of that. It's just funny to me with the, you know, just the lack of research that people will put into stuff. Like, for example, I put a post up that was, you know, I cannot believe the the times we're in right now. I mean, with the whole pandemic, into to that, that poor gentleman that was killed by the officer, you know, and the rioting, the looting and all these different things. And, you know, I, I, I did a, I did a post just putting something out there on positivity, you know what I mean? And I, I, I posted a quote around from Martin Luther King, you know, Basically that, you know, darkness doesn't heal darkness, only light can, you know, hate, uh, hatred doesn't, you can't, you know, can't heal hate with hate. You have to do it with love. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, I put something out there and somebody totally just misconstrued everything I, I, I put out there. And I was just like, look, I was talking about education, talking about how these, we need to have conversations. We need to bring this and just trying to put positivity in there. And they basically was saying I was being insensitive with it, with, with, to the whole concept when it was like, dude, I actually, it's the complete opposite, but it's just so funny how you can get attacked. doesn't matter what you, what you do. It doesn't matter if you're putting positive, negative, whatever it is, you're all, people are, that's just where people are so quick to judge as opposed to like, I feel like there's such a disconnect now. And I really believe personally going back as you know, my whole expertise in substance abuse, mental health, mm -hmm. uh, trauma, all those different things. I think a lot of these issues start from the home. You learn hate. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I don't see many kids when they're born, they come out having a child. Like, I mean, they have the frustration, they have the angers, but like, I feel like people are, are, are literally, you learn hate, but I, so there's no reason you can't be taught love. And I think that in the home, that, that is such a, a place. If you can't, if you can't start by healing your heart and having the conversations in the home, you're never going to make a change in the world. We are obviously in a triad time with all these things that we're talking about, right, Alex? We're talking about how writing has changed. Right. Do you think the 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 writing and the things that we are doing, you know, I'm all for the First Amendment, right? Mm -hmm. Where people can go out there, gather as a group and protest. Peacefully. Uh, peacefully. Mm -hmm. um, and again, is is... You know, and I think there are people people out there protesting and 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 wanting change, which I, I think is phenomenal. Um, but again, when it goes into the rioting and looting, now it's like it's really taking the focus on off of the core issue of what we were focusing on. Now people are fearful for their life. I mean, everything that we were talking about from this, obviously we we're gonna remember how this started, right? Mm -hmm. But where is this taking us as a society? And do you really think that through this demonstration that something is going to be able to be changed? It's hard to say. Only reason why I say that is because, you know, this is, I wouldn't say very similar to what happened in LA with the Rodney King riots. However, the way that things are kind of playing out are very similar, right? And if you ask anybody that lived through the Rodney King riots, they will all know who Rodney King is. They'll know kind of an idea of what happened. But you ask them what happened afterwards, and I don't even know. I, I mean, yeah, the officers were in trouble or whatever, but I mean, that seems to be a common theme is that a lot of these police officers, you know, some of them are let off the hook for the right reasons. Some of them are let off the hook for the wrong reasons, no matter what. So let's talk about that. For, let's, let's, let's talk about that for a second, mm -hmm. because uh, this is obviously a very sensitive subject. And, you know, as we know, in this world, I mean, everything's around power, money, greed those types yep. of things and you know my fears with you know with everything that's going on i think there's my personal opinion on it is i think it would have been i think it'd be wise to get a bunch of people together all these people that are out there protesting go to capitol hill you know start lobbying put some policies into place you know and, and really make effective change you know I'm, I'm curious though with everything that's happened you know and after that's kind of my take on how i would want to change policy let your voice be heard educate you know really bring bring stuff to the table, take action on a lot of this stuff. But it's also is like, how much of this do you think is ever going to change due to money, power and, and greed and greed? Here's, here's the way I kind of see things. Right. And I'm really trying to understand the position from a police officer's standpoint. So at the end of the day, a police officer is still an average person like you, me, you know, our producer, Ryan, they're still a father. They're still a wife. They're still a husband. They're still a dad. They're still a neighbor. Right. Right. They're still a person. And, and this whole event's creating this animosity and almost uh, 
taking the humanity out of police officers so that they're not seen as people. They're seen as these like thugs. Right. And to me, that's scary, especially if I were a police officer, because now I'm just a guy trying to do my job. I'm just trying to provide for my family. My job just so happens to be patrolling the community, right? That's what I slotted into. Uh, It may be a family thing. My dad was a cop. My grandpa was a cop. So now I'm a cop. Either way, it doesn't necessarily denote that I'm a bad person, right? When these people are out on the street and there's this animosity and this like built up like tension, of course, they're going to be fearful for their life because at the end of the day, they are still somebody's husband, wife, neighbor, parent. So they want to make it home. So, you know, you posted a uh, picture on your Instagram story that was very powerful. And it was basically a, a group of black men linking arms, protecting a white police officer that was separated from his unit. And that guy looked like he wasn't trying to do anything other than his job. So why should people like that be put into a uh, nonsensical, uh, nonsensical threat, you know, or environment where it's hostile like that when I would argue probably 95% of them are just trying to do their job. No. And that, and that's the other thing you bring up a great point is, is I know a lot of police officers. I've had a lot of interaction with police officers personally. <laughs> I was arrested many times and a lot of them are great people. A lot of them are. I mean, I'd say again, going to your 95, 96% of the people that I ever encountered out of all the different things and all the people that I know are great, loving, kind, caring people. They were there for me when I was going through my trials, my tribulations. And I agree. I think that they, you know, they get this negative connotation due to one other individual. Yes. Is there other, is there protocols in place? Like for that officer that he had a previous, uh, a prior history of, of misdemeanor. misdemeanor and different things that he was doing 100%. I think there's those things should go into place. And I think we should look at those different, those different uh, aspects of it, but it's look, there's, there's, there's terrible uh, white people there's 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 bad you know mexicans there's bad black people i mean you can look at it in every different mm-hmm. every angle there's 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 hate in all in all areas and it's and it's and it's more than that i think to i'm grateful that we have police officers i imagine i mean it's like imagine if we didn't have them you know like to your point about the tweet and the text that you just uh the tweet that you stated about the basketball player it's like yeah all these people are for it until they actually come into fear around it and like you i think you brought up what's the one that you talked about in new york so uh somebody was uh reaching out for help and basically oh yeah so in new york uh an individual um had their neighbor getting into a scuffle with a looter and they call 911 and the 911 dispatcher was quoted as saying the city's under attack do what you need to and hung up on the person so it's like that to me that would be the most ominous thing because granted i'm probably in the what 80 percentile of being prepared for something to hit the fan i got some food i got some water i got you know uh self-defense items i'm I'm okay um but for a majority of the people that are out there especially you know back east or in major uh, metropolitan areas things like that where the population density is much greater you're talking straight up flash mobs of people hitting the street and you know there's those videos of people being dragged out of their cars and beaten and you know amazon trucks being stolen out of mail truck being stolen police cars being broken into and as you know the way I see it is that the police are, you know, peacekeepers or the authority authoritative force. And if they're standing down because they're fearing what's going on, I mean, who, who's really here to protect us. And if it's going to be in the people's hands, no offense, 
I don't trust a majority of the people to make proper decisions because look at where we're at today, right? Correct. Clearly, decision making is not a strong suit of our country. Well, and I think that's why a lot of pe- a lot of people have asked too, though, is like with all this looting and everything going on, why aren't police doing something right? And it's basically to avoid more violence. I mean, they're like it, that's property. I mean, yes, it's not it's not okay, but at the, uh, to instigate higher violence, we're not going to be we're not going to be <laughs> dealing with that right now. Yeah, I mean, there's no perfect solution for it. It's like, what are the cops going to do? Just go out in full force and riot gear and start rounding people up? Then you're going to have more people upset, you know, versus what? Do nothing and let people just kind of burn themselves out, and you're still going to have more people upset. So there is no perfect solution. So I guess it's kind of one of those instances of if you don't know what to do, sometimes the best thing to do is nothing, you know, yeah. and just kind of hopefully well, I think it burns that's out. For, for me, like during this time, like uh, communicating and talking with, you know, all my black friends and, and really getting educated. I mean, a lot of it is, is really asking questions and learning how we can support. Cause it's like, I, there, you don't always have to do something to make a change. Sometimes it's just good to be an ear and to listen. And that's like really what I'm doing because I, I feel like, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not racist. I, I, I have a lot of black friends, gay friends, you name it. Like, I mean, I, I got the mix of all of them and, and it's like, I want to be loving, supportive and compassionate to all of them. I think everybody's uh, equated equal rights for all this stuff. And it's like, how can we make this better? uh moving forward and i think that's for me i don't have answers for it necessarily you know so that's why i'm asking questions i i'm getting educated around it like what can i do to better understand and you know i've taken the initial steps like my parents talked to me about it when i was a kid i won't forget that you know and and and, and that instilled for me to talk about it to my family and my you know with delilah i mean yeah she's very young right now but ashley and i communicate and talk about that because it's not okay you know it's it's not okay to see what's going on out there um but it also does not uh the it, what we're going through with these riots and in these poor businesses and uh you know these individuals out there that are suffering that did nothing uh that's not okay either um, yeah you know they did nothing they didn't deserve what they're getting and the thing that really breaks my heart is that the covid quarantine already decimated a lot of these small businesses and for them to now double up with having to deal with looters and, you know, whether they're planted or not, but pallets of bricks showing up in random places, it's it's almost like these small businesses are going up against Goliath, you know, and, and they literally have what's left in their savings, what's left in their pockets to try and tackle this huge being that is corporate America or the government or just even their own community at these points trying to protect their shops from people breaking in and stealing. I mean, Granted, there are people being trucked in from other communities, but my whole thing is it goes back to a quote. Um, I forgot who stated I'd have to look it up, but it says you can either uh, you can either stand for what you're fighting for or uh, die kneeling. Right. And chances are, if you stand what you're going to fight for, you know, bad consequences may happen. But if you're kneeling, you're doing nothing and you're still getting done. Well, that's but look, that's where I think there's a portion of the population. Like I said, there's a lot of people out there protesting and, and raising awareness and doing stuff, which is, is great. And then you got these sick, sick individuals of, of all ethnicities of all backgrounds mm-hmm. that are out there taking advantage uh, of something that is so tragic uh, that is really diminishing the cause of what's going on. So it's, it's like, it's very frustrating because it's like, we, we want to have change. We want to create policies that really hold people accountable and it's just like there's so many people out there that are it's just disgusting how sick some of these individuals are to take advantage of it's like it's like it, it I, I don't even have words for it honestly what is your what is your thoughts on having effective protesting uh what is it that we can do 
I think it's a combination of what's been done in the past and how we utilize technology to carry it forward in the future. Right. So in the past, you know, we're talking the civil rights movement with uh, Martin Luther King jr. And he was organizing these sit-in protests. Right. And essentially you had a single person organizing the movement. That's why Martin Luther King is seen as the face of the civil rights movement. Right. And you had an undistorted message. Okay. Nowadays, when you have all these people that are trying to be figureheads or these Hollywood celebrities that are trying to be social justice warriors or whatever, and you have a very distorted message, um, sometimes not even knowing what the real message is, you know, take uh, the NFL with the whole kneeling uh, thing. Some people were doing it for racial injustice. Some people were doing it for police brutality. Some people were doing it as a means of, you know, sticking it to the owners that were uh, making too much money or so they felt. So it's like there was no unified cause. So I would say for there to be any sort of change in policy, one, you have to have a unified cause, one that everybody's going to back, one that is wholesome and meaningful, right? Um, And from there, you basically take that single message. And then you begin to distribute it until you create a following or you create that cult, so to speak, right? And then by peacefully voicing your message and getting enough people behind it, then you can start moving things for petitions, right? I mean, we've had several successful petitions, especially here in Irvine. Um, In Irvine, we had a petition regarding the Veterans uh, Memorial Cemetery. Uh, A few years back, we voted on a citywide bill to essentially allocate a portion of land around the Orange County Great Park for a veteran cemetery, right? Well, a housing developer wanted to repurpose the land that was set aside for the cemetery for retail space and commercial space, right? Not residential space, but shops, right? Okay. People of Irvine were upset because the new proposed location where they wanted to move the memorial was essentially $0 real estate right next to the freeway. Now, me personally, um, I I felt the Great Park was a great place for a veteran memorial. I feel very strongly about the people that are protecting and fighting for our freedom. So I obviously want to respect them and give them choice real estate to essentially respect them, right? So I voted to put it at the Great Park. And then I also voted on the petition or first I signed the petition to not move the location. And then it got on a bill to which then we uh, passed to keep it in the same location at the great park. So I saw it as a win for the vets, right. And the respect for their memorial. That was a way that we successfully changed policy, right? We didn't start burning down the great park. We didn't start taking over the spectrum. We didn't start creating a ruckus and camping outside of Irvine city hall. We did it very uh, civilized, you know? No, for sure. But I think that's also, I mean, I agree with that. And I also think the veterans need to be obviously, you know, where I stand on veterans. Mm-hmm. I respect them so much, uh, do a ton of, a ton of work and giving back for them. But I also think this is something that's been going on in regards to the police brutality, especially towards blacks. Uh, you know, this has been happening for, for so many years now. Right. And, and I get the frustration because they're, they, they haven't, you know, they haven't had change. And I guess my question that I'd love to get educated on is what attempts have they made to change policy? I don't think it's as simple as just changing policy though. I mean, what policy could you implement that would prevent this kind of thing, right? This is a personal, uh, this is a personal personality issue, right? This, this whole George Floyd incident was an issue of a guy that had a track record of misdemeanors and, 
was well, essentially protected. so right there it's it's one i mean if there's anybody that's had any history of that they have it's it's a one and done you don't get warnings you don't get i i, I that's my personal belief around that there, that's not in the system right now that's actually in some systems though in regards to reprimands and and uh, moratoriums and things like that but the thing is is that i I'm not going to say that's a for sure thing, but it's pretty much assumed that cops take care of their own, right? So when your Department of Internal Review comes by, they're going to try and get you off the hook. The union's going to try and protect you and get you off the hook. Well, so I, it's it's a very but it also goes back to thing. money too. That's what we were, uh, you know, I was talking to you before we started the show talking about money. Is if you know a lot of this stuff were to get, they, yes, it is very protected inside because they don't also want to spend tens of millions and millions of dollars. For all the lawsuits that would come at them. And, and yes, they're already getting hit with those, but it'd be even worse than it is. Yeah, but then I would argue. Because there's from, a lot of cases, dude, that have been public knowledge that police have gotten off on that should. I mean, it's just common sense. They should not have gotten off on. Right. But you would think then the policy would be as soon as something like that happens, whether they're at fault or not, they're seen as a liability. Right. So you terminate them. That's, I mean, what, that's, that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, it's. If it gets to that, exactly. That's what I just stated, though. If but that's you, in a policy. You think they're going to have repeat offender police officers just maintained on the force going against a policy? That's there's. The, what do you mean? It just happened. Because I'm telling you, it's not the policy that's at fault. It's the people that are supposed to be following the policy that are bending it so that they can protect each other. So those people need to be held accountable. Exactly. So that's not a policy thing because the policies are there to hold them accountable. We have laws. We have rules. The problem is when people don't follow. But you said them. they're they're in some states. They should be in every state. Well, I guarantee you, every single police department has something that if you make a mistake that is seen as publicly defaming to the police station, they're gonna they're gonna remove you. It's like any business. You're not gonna keep people that are gonna be a liability to your brand and image. Yeah, I mean, again, it's I'm not educated enough to talk about it, so I wouldn't, I don't know, but I'm just saying, obviously. So you're, I mean, base. Let me ask you this: so you don't think there's anything out there that could be implemented to help change what's going on? I think the change needs to be the people. It's the people that are running amok. So these police officers, these 40 year old, 50 year old, you know, uh, veterans or whatever, they're essentially continuing the culture that this is okay. So they them need to change. So like, uh, what was it? The uh, one police sheriff in. Was it Baltimore or Nashville, somewhere on the East Coast? But he had a very viral message saying, hey, if you're a police officer and you're OK with this, you need to turn in your badge. We need more people like that rather than on the flip side. Hey, if you do something wrong, we'll take care of it. Well, we got your back. But again, it's all it's a, it's the hierarchy. And I, I actually would agree with that. I think I still think there's creative ways to create policy to hold people accountable further than they do. But also it is it's an individual because going back to what we said, I don't want to sound contradicting, but there are amazing cops. There are people that are loving, compassionate and caring. And there's just there's people. I mean, there's there's some people that are in the force that are, are not good, but there's mm -hmm. there's all those individuals in every sector of of any space of any form of work. Absolutely. And that's why I think the overgeneralization that, you know, cops are the problem is not entirely true, but to say that cops are not a problem is also not entirely true. Yeah. So I think, I mean, look, I think a big thing is, is somebody needs to take a stand in the culture within the organizations. I mean, because it has been such a long history of that happening within police departments and, uh, you know, you, you can't weed out if somebody's racist or not. I mean, they're not going to be honest about it. Right. So there's got to be people taking ownership and and setting change because I think if you can hold people accountable with your own and within your own department, if you see stuff, instead of sweeping it under the rug, do something about it. And I think that's really comes back to the accountability 
uh, for people taking ownership for their actions and or doing the right thing for those that are not doing the right thing uh, and calling them out. Uh, I think so many people are are so into people pleasing and 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 uh, instant gratification and they don't really want to put forth or, or go into the efforts of, of dealing with this. So I think there's, there's even laziness that goes into play with this. Yeah. I'd agree that there's some essence of laziness or complacency because, you know, for the most part, a lot of people believe to just keep their head down. And, um, you know, even though they keep saying, if you see something, say something, whether it's reference, you're at the airport or you're on the street or you're at school or whatever. Right. Um, people don't, because it's easier not to and just let people do their thing. But people right? are also on the other end of it. I'll tell you something, and it's totally it's it's relevant with our conversation, but it's totally not relevant to the to it's not relatable. Somebody came at me because I brought something up that was super, super messed up. Like I brought something up to somebody's attention, and they literally a friend of ours, a mutual friend, came up and he's like, dude, you shouldn't be saying stuff like that. And I'm just like, bro, what he's doing is not only it's affecting his life and everybody else's around him. Like, you know, it was it's just funny to see how many people like friends, you know what I mean? Where I'm definitely mindful now of, of, of that person's opinion, uh, especially going into anything else. But I just couldn't believe uh, I, I've seen it in my own personal life. You know, people are just like, yeah, that's, even though it's the right thing, let's just not say anything. It's like, dude, I don't live my life like that anymore. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's a definite balance between speak your mind and also, you know, think about what you're saying. Um, a lot of inflammatory comments can be hurtful and they can affect, you know, what people do from their on so words definitely do have an effect however i believe that it's not necessarily our moral responsibility or our personal responsibility or community responsibility to hold other people accountable but it's simply the measure of if you don't do anything about it one you shouldn't expect anything to be done about it because you yourself wouldn't even take the action right and if you're not happy with what's around you Perhaps you need to take some self-reflection as to why that is and what you've done about it. And if the answer is nothing, then frankly, I don't believe you have a box to stand on to complain. Like yeah. just go sit down and you know, you're a product of your environment because you contributed to it. Yep. You know, and that's why uh, I believe in the work that we do on the nonprofit side, because we're trying to help our community. And you've said me say it a hundred times. I don't believe this is charity. I believe we're investing in our community because I want to see the return. Right. I want to see the hard work that we're trying to help people and, you know, help them get through whatever struggles they're doing. We just uh, we're wrapping up a um, therapy campaign for anybody who's lost a loved one during covid uh, and was unable to grieve properly so that those people don't continue the chain of hurt. Right. When we're able to have that healing, we're able to come together as a community and everything gets brighter and better. Yeah. Look, firsthand experience, man. The thing that really instilled change in my own personal life was ownership, taking ownership you know, being accountable, making amends. And, uh, that's where the real change started to happen. So I don't know, we're in a, a crazy place right now, but I think it's good to have this dialogue. Um, you know, you can't get anywhere unless you have conversation around it, open communication, educate, learn growth. Uh, we'll be back next week on the believe network. Let's grow up young men. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.